are partially mature. And many of us have accepted that that's how I want to be. Don't try to bring me into the full picture. And because of that, we are ineffective. The scripture we read says that that we may be perfect in every good work. So you can have good works of showing mercy. But there will be some other good works still left. Amen. And this morning, as we enter the noon, I pray that God will give me understanding and you also an utterance and you too understanding. That it is important not to be just mature in your own eyes. But to be matured in the eyes of God in a very biblical way. Hallelujah. During the week I was in a meeting and somebody was asked to make a speech. And the speech was based on what you see when you are entering the military academy. You enter here as a boy and you come out a man. Hallelujah. Brother Fred, am I right? You enter these gates as a boy. And they've also written that they pledge to defend this nation by land, by sea, by air. But the most important point for this morning is entering life in Christ as a boy and coming out as a man. Total maturity. And as I was reflecting on these things, because everybody says, they are, I've been in the church for 20 years, so I'm a mature person. Or I hold this office. So I'm a mature person. Oh, he's a, he's a, a principal of so-and-so Bible school. Or so-and-so church. And so we, we use all these credentials. Where people have been. Schools people have attended. Programs they have participated in. Who knows them? Who doesn't know them? Who they connect to? as the basis for determining a person's maturity. As I was reflecting on this, I came across a message by Bishop T.D. Jakes. And he made a statement. I was trying to look for the definition of maturity. And he said, maturity is balance. Then he went on to explain balance between the sacred and the secular. And he kicked me. Maturity is balance. And balance between the sacred and the secular. And I began to assess myself and other Christian people and I looked at other balances that maturity establishes. I found out that for me to say I am mature, or for you to say you are mature, 
you must have balance when it comes to faith and works. Because in one breath, the scripture said that without faith it's impossible to please God. But in another breath, according to James, faith without works is dead. In fact, Ephesians says that it's by grace are you saved through faith and not of your own works. So, in a way, it looks as if works do not matter as much as faith. But then you come to the other side of the revelation, which balances it out. Works matter. In terms of the fruit of the faith. Hallelujah. If the faith is there and it doesn't produce works in terms of character, in terms of relation, in terms of what we do, it's not significant. Hallelujah. And my, my, my maturity is seen in the way I'm, I wedge around these two. So I am not overly tilted so much faith that I'm not good when it comes to works. I'm so sacred that I cannot be relevant in the secular. Hallelujah. I found out that in the balance, there's also pressure versus pleasure. Maturity is seen by your ability to balance pressure with pleasure. They they all pronounce almost the same things, but they mean different things. We all say, all, all, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Yeah, it's true. We need to, but we need to know how much of that pleasure we can take in terms of comfort. Jesus and his disciples, one day Jesus said to his disciples, let's set, set ourselves apart and rest ye a while. So the body needs to rest. One of my Professors, my good friend, a Nigerian professor who's a, a Catholic professor, and he says, Those who don't give themselves rest are those that you say they rest in peace <laughs> before their time. You know, some of our friends from, especially Ibus, they have very strong, you know, proverbs and statements. So, the balance between pleasure and pressure when it comes to work, when it comes to spiritual matters, when it comes to anything, that balance is what will show if you are mature or not. Amen. Another important balance we all need is the balance between quality and quantity. You meet any pastor or any businessman or anybody who's working and say, how are you doing? And the businessman will tell you how much money they have made. Churches, pastors will tell you how many services they are running, how many members they have, how many branches they have abroad and how many, they have, how many TV stations you are on. So that's the quantitative aspect, which is important because Jesus spoke to multitudes. And he also did speak to the twelve. So the balance between the quality and the quantity. It's not just enough having the crowd. But what you do 
with the crowd and the influence, the impact of what you do with them is also critical. Hallelujah. The network, the relationship, the fruit that it bears because of the connection between I or you and that audience that you have is critical. It's not that, oh, are there how many are coming? How many are going? It's not all about that. In the same way, Jesus says something about life. He says, a man's life does not consist in abundance of things he has. So, a person, we can say, oh, this Christian brother, the Lord is blessing him or blessing her. She's doing well. You can see, because he will tell, she can confess the words of faith. He can go into detail about the words of faith. And again, I come to my Nigerian brothers. A friend was telling us a speech, making a speech at the meeting. He said to us, he was quoting his friend, a Nigerian, I think a Yoruba man. It's called Tunde. Tunde is Yoruba name. He went to a church, a Ghanaian church, and the church, the pastor was making confessions. He said, I say, say after me, the blood of Jesus. And the people said, the blood of Jesus. He says, the blood of Jesus is, is my portion. He says, my portion. The blood fires for me. So he finished the church service. He told my friend, my friend, your pastor, he killed the church service. The church. He killed the church service. He's too dull. If it was my pastor back in Lagos, instead of just saying the blood of Jesus will do this, he would have said, the blood of Jesus. Say after me, the blood of Jesus. Everybody say that after me. The blood of Jesus. The red blood of Jesus. The crimson blood of Jesus. The blood that fell on Calvary. Uh-huh, then you see there's life in it. <laughs> Hallelujah. I laughed and laughed and laughed. So, we don't... I'm talking about the, quali- the balance between quality and quantity. I just brought that in. There must be a balance between wisdom and power. First Corinthians 1 verse 24 says, In Christ Jesus, there is wisdom and power. Now, one of the most divisive issues in the modern day church is this issue. The church is sharply divided between those who believe in the spectacular supernatural and those who also say that no, you can live a Christian, you can die and go to heaven without any miracle. You don't need a miracle. But it's not, both extremes are not correct. Because the scripture says, but unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. So the wisdom teachers, like the late Mars Moreau and co, are, are needed in the kingdom. And the power preachers, like Benihin, are also needed. Amen. So I was in America once, and a young man asked me, a Christian brother, Emmanuel, whose side are you on? What kind of Christian are you? Are you the Benihin type, or then he mentioned an evangelist's name. I said, I'm both. I'm everywhere. Your maturity is shown by your ability to, to move and flow 
some of us there are people who are in other denominations. Our Christianity is very, very narrow in terms of perspective. You think that all the doctrine, all the teachings that you have seen in people like Kenneth Hagin, that's all that there is to the Christian faith. Read, study, find out. You find out that different perspectives and shades. Hallelujah. Paul said, when I was a child, I taught as a child. One of the things we will learn as we get into the word of God is that we must mature in these foundations. That in Christ, there is wisdom. So those who, 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 who use wisdom, the word of God wisdom, not worldly wisdom, not Norman Vincent Peale wisdom, not Dale Carnegie wisdom, but biblical, godly wisdom, God's Christ-centered wisdom. Are you with me? You see, see when I mention Norman Vincent Peale, some people, even they, are, they finish masters and things, but they are still lost, you see. That means we must read more. The world in which we are now is a knowledge-controlled world. Gone are the days when people were rich by how many homes they had in Cantonment or Laboni or airport. Today in the world, the top richest people in the world are people who have intellect. Facebook, uh, the Amazon, Google, all these guys. It's all brain. Not, it's not about buildings. When we were growing up, it was a different thing. So let's expand our horizon, beloved in the Lord. Amen. So, wisdom is needed in the kingdom. We are thinking of building a campsite at uh, Santo. And we need men and women who are wise, who know how to turn around money, who can work with the little they have and still produce a lot more and contribute to the kingdom. Amen. It takes wisdom that a house is built. Speed is something that also contests against focus. Speed. uh, Getting the balance between speed and focus is not easy. Getting the balance. If you are running very fast, and also whether you are on track, and your ability, your maturity is seen in how we get it together. We are running quite at a good pace, but we are not falling. We are still focused, doing what we have to be doing. Amen. See, talking about maturity is very important. I'll give you just three reasons why I believe it's important to talk about maturity or to know, to mature, and not to be myopic about maturity. I found out that if you, I don't mature, I can't be productive. John fifteen sixteen. Jesus was talking to his disciples. Now, many people take John fifteen sixteen as a Christian, general Christian thing. It's true. A, a Christian can take it. But you see, there are some conversations Jesus had which were with his disciples in the closet. Amen. And if you read the verses preceding verse 16, you see Jesus was talking to you. In verse 12, he talks about the greater love. Verse 13, 12 and 13. He says that, I don't call you servants. I now call you friends. They say, greater love has this, 
that a man should lay down his life for his friends. So he was talking about his friends. He was not talking to the multitude. So get it right. Now, these friends who have become inner circle men of Jesus, in verse 13, when you progress, verse 16, then he says, you did not choose me. He's not talking about the rank and file. Because the rank and file, he says, he said to them in, in Matthew eleven twenty, come unto me, all you that labor are heavily laden. That one is not a choice. We make the choice to follow Jesus. But when he came to the inner circle relationship, he said, he went to call Peter. He went to call uh, uh, James. He went to call John. You did not choose me. I chose you now. That, that what you do what? That you may go and bear fruit. Now, maturity will help you become productive. When you don't mature, even in natural life, 12-year-olds, it's these days that 14-year-olds are having babies. But babies don't give birth to babies. Amen. When the organs are developed, producing certain things within, then a person is ready to produce. Are you with me? So, if you don't mature, you cannot be productive. That is many, the reason why many of us can't even witness to a soul or even re- help to retain a soul. Because when, when you yourself, you haven't built a relationship with the Lord that is solid, you can't pass on. You can't, the seed is not in you. So, we must be con- conscientious about our maturity. We must decide that I want to be mature on all fronts. Otherwise, you can't be effective as a child of God in terms of productivity. Amen. So, number one is that for you to be productive, you must be mature. Number two, for you to be trusted by God, you must be mature. When we mature with God, God then trusts us. Jesus said to the disciples in Luke 12, 12 verse 32, he says, my children, my, my brethren, I am the, the, it is the Father's will to give you the kingdom's secrets. The secrets. The secrets. The secrets. The secrets of the kingdom come when there is a certain level of maturity. When we can handle certain things. Paul said, I have desired to give you certain things, but when I look at you, you are not ready. The writer of Hebrews said, I want to teach you certain things, but you are not ready. So I can't share with you, even though it's your right to know. It's your right to understand. It's your right to receive the riches of the kingdom because you are not mature. You can't handle it. There are certain revelations that are too strong, that are too deep. For many of us, because we have not mature in our walking, our work with the Lord. We are just still very superficial. We got up, got born again, spoke in tongues, and we come to a church that believes in speaking in tongues, and we hear sermons here and there, we are happy, and we, we, we are counted among the saints, and we are happy. But on our own, if we sit down and say, how much have I grown? How productive am I? And I'm going to show you how the different aspects of maturity into detail in a short moment. But when you mature, you, God will trust you. Deep revelations. 
He will entrust people into your hands. He will give you responsibility. You will be identified as a pillar in the kingdom. Say amen. Number three, when you mature, you are able to endure to the end. Maturity makes you stable. You remember the, 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 the Sierra Leonean also song, like the, the, the tree, cotton tree, where the breeze know the shake. Chinap tranga one. When the tree is mature, it's, it's stable, like the neem trees that we have, we used to have on the, on the, on the Calvary Methodist Road. They're so stable, they are solid. They've been there, some of them, 30, 40 years. Rains come and go, but because of, they are solid, they are mature. They are solid. Winds come. Whatever comes, they are still there. When a tree is not solid, any slight wind would blow them off. They don't endure to the end. Say amen. So now let's look at five critical areas that if I want to mature, I must be looking at. Number one is doctrinal maturity. And I take this from first Hebrews 6, 1 to 4. Where the Lord, the writer of Hebrews was saying that, in fact, from verse, from verse chapter 5, towards the end, start from chapter 5, uh, 11 to 14. Hebrews says, Of whom, you're talking about Jesus Christ, of whom I have many things to say, and hard to be uttered. Seeing, everybody say, seeing, Ye are, I didn't say it. I want to share things with you. That's what the writer is saying. I want to share certain deep things with you. But because you are maturity level in doctrine, in understanding message of, 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 of who Christ is, about the covenants, about the blood, about salvation, and other things, I can't go on to the next level of teaching. For verse 12 says, For when at a time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again which ought to be the first principles of the oracles of God. And I'll become such as have need of milk and not strong meat. Sometimes I'll tell people, I want, I want you to, I want God to give you opportunity to share in this meeting or that meeting. Oh, no, 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 Pastor, not me. Why are you, are you feeling inadequate? Why? For when, at a time, everybody who has been in church and known Christ for long, at a point in time, maybe one year, maybe two years, maybe three years, you must be able to teach. You must, it's not about whether they have even laid hands on me or not. You must, if you are really growing, you must get to the point. You may not preach on a Sunday, you may not preach on a Wednesday, but you must be able to teach somebody about Christ and about the Word of God confidently. Amen. You have need that another will teach you. The first principles of the oracles of God, and I become such as have need of milk. That means the basics. Not of strong meat. Verse 13. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of... You see, unskillful is another word for saying you are immature. For he is a babe. A babe is immature. He may be born again. He may speak in tongues, but he's not mature. Because of what he uses. All he knows is John 3.16. 
All she knows is things that confessions that will bring, bring their breakthrough. But when any strange atheist decides to engage them about why I cannot be a Christian and practice yoga, he's lost or she's lost at sea. Why I cannot be a Christian and be a, a lesbian or a gay? He's lost. See, that one is for another. I'll take it to my pastor. Hallelujah. When the discussion gets hot, when the engagement gets hot, it becomes an issue. Still milk. Unskillful in the word of righteousness for he's a babe. Verse 14. But strong meat belongs to them that are full of age. Even those by, who by reason of use, again use, what you use, how you, you apply the scriptures, how you apply the tuition, the training in Christ, the things we've learned in church, the things you've learned in your quiet time, the things you've learned in your relationship with other believers, the things you've learned before the altar of the Lord, personally, and all these put together, it sharpens your spiritual senses, your antenna. And you are able to discern both good and evil. If you watch TV, Christian, many Christians can watch TV the whole Saturday and they cannot tell the false prophet from the good prophet. Everybody is good. Because they are preaching, they all come in the name of the Lord. In their eyes or in their mind. Because they don't have the senses to tell that this one, no. No. Not because of just what they say know what they do, but by, by your spiritual sensitivity, you can tell because you have activated them. Say amen. So, doctrinal maturity will tell you Hebrews 6, 1-4. to Therefore, leaving the principles, of, so this is basic of Christ. Let us go on to perfection. Not laying again the foundation of repentance. So, if you are Repenting, sin, repent, that's basic. If you confess your sins, it's faithful and just forgive you. What do you call it? Of all righteousness. First John 1 9. Just slip that part. That's one. All you know. That's basic. Now, from dead works. I became a Christian because I stopped lying. I stopped fornicating. I stopped lying. Uh, 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 doing this or doing that. That's fine. That's very basic. And faith towards God. Faith towards God. And here a lot of people look at that faith only in the context of name it, claim it faith. I'm talking about faithfulness towards God. Dependence on God. Standing with God in every difficult situation, in the workplace, in the family, when things are tough. Standing the way, the way God would have chosen. And then verse 2. Of the doctrine of baptisms. There are many people who have been in the church for many years. They are still struggling with this issue. And they are supposed to be mature. And he says, it's a basic doctrine. We must all settle the matter. It's not about, oh, I'm old or I'm young or I've done it, I've done You go into the scripture. 
Cornelius was having a form of religion by denying the power of until Peter went into his house. And after he received the Holy Ghost, they also asked to be baptized. Amen. Though he was ritualistically serving God and of the resurrection of the dead, they know that many of us, we know that, oh, one day in the street by and by. But is that enough? Because that one is a basic doctrine. We don't have an understanding. It says an eternal judgment. That also is a basic doctrine. Knowing that there is heaven and hell and there will be eternal is, is, is a basic doctrine. So, what he says, verse, go on to verse 3 and 4. And this we will do if God permit. Verse 4. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost. I want to end there. If they should fall, to give, give them a second chance. But the point I'm making here is that every one of us must mature in doctrine. When you read Second Timothy three sixteen, of all he mentions four things that the Word of God does, or among other things, is for doctrine. When we say doctrine, we are talking about the set of beliefs that accompany following Christ. The things that Jesus taught, the things that the fathers have taught in the Scriptures, the apostles, and that stand to guide us. There's a rule for determining these things we call the canon. Which we, 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 are, we have accepted that when you are a member of the church, you believe in these things. Many of us, like the, the Apostles' Creed or the, the Nicene Creed, many of us take it for granted. We don't even know it. But if you go into the creeds, you understand line by line, you see the doctrine. And ask yourself, how do I fit? How do I understand these doctrines? And many believers, they don't understand these things. They think, oh, people, every day they are citing recitation. It's true. They may be saying it from, not from their heart, from their mind. But you, who is spiritual, you should speak, say it from your spirit. It's like the Lord's Prayer. They may say it just often, without any heart. You are sincere. You are good. You are holy. You are good. You are a good Christian. But you, the Lord's Prayer that you pray, when he says, I forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass, what do you do with that? How do we do? We will say, we know that, oh yes, that, they, those people, they are, uh, when I was in that, at that church, they used to say the Lord's Prayer. Now you, you are not saying the Lord's Prayer, and you are not forgiving, and you are not confessing your sins. All your prayers, you are speaking in tongues to wash, wash, wash your, your, your conviction. Many of us, that's what we do, charismatic Christians. Any topic, you are speaking in tongues to white. You don't want allow the Holy Ghost to bring conviction. If you understand the doctrine very well, we will not do that. Hallelujah. Jesus taught us doctrine. And every child of God who says, I'm maturing in Christ, must be conversant with the doctrine that is in Christ. The doctrine of the church. The spirituality of religion. Why do people quarrel in church? Because they don't understand the doctrine of the church. This sister, she's my Sunday school teacher, but I will never talk to her. Where does that come from? It comes from the lack of understanding of the doctrine of the church. Because you don't understand that in Christ you are being made one. If you read Galatians 3, 28, 29, where Paul talks about people being one. Greeks, Jews, and all of that. Ephesians, the same. 
That understanding hasn't come to you. That revelation hasn't come. That's why you can, you can swear and you can warn a pastor or a leader that don't come into this, my fight. Stay out. I'll, I'll handle it. I'll give it to her. I'll give it to him. Because you don't understand the doctrine of the oneness of the body. That's why when we, we see other people who are not in our church, we look at them in a certain way. Because at the back of our minds, they are all damned. It's only our close Christian or whatever, the people that we in our program might think are Christians. Who, who are, are Christians. No. Because of doctrine. So pay attention to the doctrine. Sit down as a child of God. When you go home, write the doctrines you know. The ones you don't know, study and know. So that you mature in Christ. Many of us don't bother. Once we get born again, we say, we are going, we are going. In the sweet by and by. That's it. But you see, if you don't get to the bottom of Christian doctrine, doctrine of the church, sanctification is a doctrine, and, and, and it's not just about rules, uh, don't, don't fornicate, don't lie, what, idolatry, and all of those. Why does God hate idolatry? Or why is God uh, worried about polygamy and all of these things? You, there's, there's, there are doctrinal underpinnings to the things we are told not to do, and the things we are told to do. When we come even before the Lord in worship, many of us don't understand the presence of God. The whole I, we, what we understood when we were in the world, the same thing we are brought here. There is no renewed understanding of how God and His people. There is something called the doctrine of God. Where we will learn about who God is. The, holy, the, the, the moral attributes of God. The mighty or the powerful attributes of God. Some of us only know the powerful attributes of God. God, oh, uh, God who, who fights by thunder and lightning. And God who burn my enemies. That's all the doctrine we know. We don't understand that the same God is gracious. He's just. He's merciful. We don't know that moral element. If you knew the doctrine of God, you wouldn't say that. The doctrine of Jesus Christ. Many of us don't know. Who is Jesus? We, we, we engage at Joseph, some other doctrine people who are saying, Jesus was, not, or, was, was just an angel or, 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 the, or, or, or something like that. You get confused because you don't know the doctrine of Christ. The doctrine of the Holy Ghost isn't just speaking in tongues and prophesying. Hallelujah. The personality of the Holy Spirit. The attributes of the Holy Spirit. Knowing Him as a person. It's a whole area, a whole dimension of spirituality which can transform your life. But because we don't dare to know, we're just content with the superficial, oh, I speak in tongues, I prophesy. The Holy Ghost comes and we speak in tongues, we are happy and that is it. And we carry that for 20 years. That for 30 years. That's why we are not maturing. Because working with Him is not part of our game. I prayed for you and I pray for myself today that our work with him will lead to intimacy and in maturity. Say amen. amen. So there is something called doctrinal maturity. Aspire for it. Say amen. amen. There is also something called ministerial maturity. And I learned that from Samuel and David. Particularly David. Do you know that David was a king and anointed three times? 
David was anointed in 1 Samuel 16 by Samuel when he was a shepherd boy. And after 17, after 16, in chapter 17, he went to defeat Goliath as a shepherd boy. He was still a king, anointed. That's the first level. Amen. Then when King Saul died in first Samuel, Second Samuel in chapter 2, he was anointed by the people of Judah. That's another level of ministerial anointing or ministerial uh, 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 maturity. And every level has its own behavior that goes with it in terms of the ministry. And the third level was when the whole of Israel came together. You see, and the promotion into the next level, especially the second, between the, the, the second and the third, came through his show of mercy to the house of Saul. Hallelujah. It didn't just come. Ministerial maturity was in three levels for David. The first one, it was not on his volition. God chose him. The second one, which was after he proved himself, which is after defeating Goliath, God affirmed him that, ah, you are the man. So when King Saul was out of the will, he came in. Then after Saul died, he told, he, the person who even brought the news about Saul and rejoicing, David dealt with him. Then he went on to say, who in the house of Saul is left so that I may be a blessing? God looked at that and touched the hearts of the house of, of Saul, the Benjamins. And they all came together. He didn't fight to put them under his, his domain. They came and said, we surrender. Now we make you, we take you to the next level. Three levels of ministerial maturity. Amen. And some of us, we haven't even started the first level of maturity. Or we are just at the first level. Are you with me? If I ask you, what has God called you to do in the kingdom? You say you don't know. It's a sign that you, are, you haven't matured. You must know. Look at Samuel, first Samuel 3. And the Bible, towards the end, verse 19 to 21. Says, and, the, 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 and everybody in Israel knew that Samuel was anointed to be a prophet. And the words of Samuel never fell to the ground. Hallelujah. And the Lord, he went to Shiloh and he pitched his tent there. Then he ministered to the people prophetically. So even though Samuel was called, he wasn't functioning effectively until after Eli and his children passed. Hallelujah. It's a lesson for us all. So there's something called ministerial maturity, which comes through service, which comes by association, which comes by practice, which comes through humility. Because God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Amen. Number three area of maturity is mental and emotional maturity. There are many believers that are good. They know doctrine. They, they can talk about doctrine. They can express. But when it comes to mental, mental in the mind or emotions, the scripture says that Paul wrote to the Corinthians, says, but in, 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 in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 20, it says, be in understanding, be men. Mental. Understanding is mental. 
It's not everything that you have seen the scriptures that, oh, it is uh, the, the, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violence are taken by force. Everything that is the, that's the only principle as a child of God, even though it's in the scriptures. There are some certain words, if you read the scripture by understanding, you will see God told Rehoboam when he was going to fight Jeroboam after Solomon died and the people elected Jeroboam, the rebel, to be their leader. And all Israel were going against Judah. And Judah was solid. But the Lord said, this fight is not for you. Let them, they are your brethren. Let them up. So, understanding will let us understand. Hallelujah. Understanding will let us learn to say, I have a right, but I forsake my right. Because of understanding of the impossible implications of what will happen if I take this right which is rightfully mine. Amen. It's not all the rights that you have to take in your kingdom life all the time. Maturity will tell you that you are the firstborn, like the, Abraham and Lot. Abraham brought you, he said, if it was us today, we would say, do you know that by me, the oil flows from the top. Many men of God will say that today. The oil, the oil flows from the top. So you, if I hadn't started, if I wasn't called, you, where would you have been? That you are, your men, are, your, 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 your people are fighting me. It would have been an issue. But maturity and understanding taught Abraham to say, Ah, what you like, take. Take. And after he did that, look what God did to him. He said, look at the north. Look at the south. Look at the east. Look at the west. All of it, that's maturity. And that maturity is not the same as doctrinal maturity. He didn't read Bible. There was no Bible at the time. Hallelujah. Are you getting me? But it's understanding. And getting the emotions under control. Feelings under control. Pride subdued. And this comes by self-discipline and education. Education, not necessarily formal. Somebody change my mic for me because red. Formal. Or Bible school, so to speak. Though that's necessary. But submission to be under authority and learning at the feet of those ahead. Samuel went through that. He understood Eli. Even though Eli was not necessarily in the best of shape. Say amen. Getting the emotions and the mind stable is critical area of maturity. And it results in order and decency. As we see in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 40. Four area is relational maturity. Relational maturity. I see it in the life of Jesus. You know, Jesus used to refer to his uh, 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 disciples 
as servants. When he gets to John 15, verse 12 and 13, he says, Now I don't call you servants. I call you my friends. Hallelujah. Then after chapter 15, in chapter 20, 21, when Jesus resurrected, he said, um, don't touch me. You remember there was some soap in Ghana called Don't Touch Me. <laughs> Hallelujah. Many years ago. Those younger ones don't know. Don't touch me. It was a very acidic, you know, a lot, a lot of caustic soda in it and it was creating a lot of problems. When you bath with it, your skin will all dry up. <laughs> don't touch me. We were so poor, that was the soap we all used to use at a point in time. Don't touch me. <laughs> Amen. Ghana, we have nice names, eh? What's your name? <laughs> now, Oshia is our national attire. When they started wearing it, people were laughing at them. Amen. Now we are using it as Uber. And we are very happy. <laughs> Amen. When the, the Koreans brought the first one, the Kia small one, everybody was laughing. Nobody respected the little boy. Where are you going? The small. You remember the Kia small cars? They used to laugh at them. Tico. Now we don't. Now they are the Uber. Amen. Relational maturity. Jesus taught his disciples relational maturity. John 15, 15. He said, I don't call you servants. I now call you friends. In chapter 20, verse 17. He said, You are my brethren. I am not yet ascended. But go to my brethren. He didn't say go to my friends. Go to my servants. Friendship is a higher level than servanthood. And brotherhood is a higher level than friendship. Hallelujah. Now, do you know we are looking forward to bride. According to Revelations 20 and 21 and 22. Scripture describes the church as the bride of Christ. In Ephesians 5, 25, 26, 27. We are described as the bride of Christ. It's a graduation of relationship. We must mature in the relationship by keeping faith in Him. Hallelujah. Be faithful to Christ. If the Lord be God, let's serve Him. We heard at the beginning of the year, the Lord, He is God. Elijah told them, choose ye whom you will serve. Don't be wavering. Many of us, one of the reasons why we are not graduating is because our loyalty to Christ and to His church is wavering. You are in the world, but your friends, you are in the church, but your friends don't know you. When they come here and they see you, they'll be shocked. When they see that you are teaching Sunday school, they'll be very shocked. When they see that you are also one of them, say, hey! Hmm. Hallelujah. Are you with me? It's when we are loyal to the Lord, you, the maturity will come. And to prove our maturity. He will elevate us from servants to friends. From friends to brothers. And from brothers to his bride. Husband and wife are closer. Look at how Morgan and his wife. They are always closer than their children. The children are there. Look at They are always close to them. It's not the same as being a child of the house. It's not the same as being a friend. 
A friend, even the scripture, the scripture says, a friend has this closer than it's, it's just a way of speech. That, yes, you can cross a certain line of friendship to intimacy, but it's never the same. They say blood is thicker than water. Amen. So relational maturity is something that we must all aspire for. And last area of maturity is discerning maturity. Now let me say that relational maturity also develops through endurance. Let me say this. Ephesians 4.3 tells us that we must endeavor to maintain the unity of the faith in the bond of peace. Holding on to people in relationships is not easy. I'm I'm not making it look easy. But when you are able to, to, when you endure, when we all endure, it will promote, God will lead, it will promote us to a higher level of relationship. Amen. Then lastly, discerning maturity. Many of us, our discernment level is only the reading of the Bible and the letter of the word. But the scripture says that there is a knowledge that puffs up. 1 Corinthians 8.1 and there's also another knowledge, which is spiritual. There is a rhema. There is something supernatural about the Word of God. There is a revelational element of the Word of God. There is a re- revelation also about the things God wants to do. Last Wednesday, I spoke to you about some of them. When the Lord in, said that in Amos 3.7, the Lord your God, he will do nothing except he tells his servants, the prophets. And to be prophetic, you need to be discerning. It's not just standing and shouting, that says the Lord, that says the Lord. When you, the, Lord the, the Lord said in his word, he said, woe to you who when the Lord has not spoken, you say, that says the Lord. That's also dangerous. Amen. So, we need to mature in discernment. Our discernment must not remain at the sense knowledge level. What you see, you look at a person, you go into a crowd, you see, you, 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 you calculate and say, this one, he must be very rich, that one must be very poor. That, that's not discernment. And sometimes even pastors are falling prey to that. I know prominent ministers are falling victim to that. And so in a very embarrassing way, so let's not, let's move from, Paul said, for henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Our discernment, don't size up people. Sometimes the people you think, oh, this person, he must be very worldly. Oh. This person must be, he, the way he's done his style, the way he, he, he walks, guy, guy, no. No, 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 no. Or this lady, pa. You just look at somebody and look at one, just one dress. One, maybe the color. Maybe one makeup. One little thing you see, you judge. Ah. When we mature, you see that there are different cultures. Different colors meaning different things. My friends from India, when they wear white, it means they are actually mourning. <laughs> Am I true or wrong? When they are, when they are, when they are having funerals, Cremation, most of the time, is quite white. So, those of us who say, oh, this place has funeral, they use black, it means they are not Christian. Why 
Where is that from? It's not biblical. It's not in the scriptures. Whether you wear a black or black and white or blue or green or whatever, you can wear yellow, whatever. It's just for order that cultures have decided that oh, we, we want yellow. Some people too, they like green. Some people, they like red. China, they like red. <laughs> Hallelujah. If you believe that's their lucky color or whatever, that's their own cup of tea. So even the Chinese who become Christians, they don't easily part from the red. So let's move through maturity. It's discerning by the Spirit, by the Word, by the Holy Ghost in you, not by looking at such stereotypes. Many of our judges, we have not been able to get on well with brethren and done things for brethren and done things for the kingdom because of stereotypes. The same way, don't, don't, don't just also copy things. Hallelujah. Just because somebody is doing something, maybe in America or Europe or something. No. But be yourself and be biblical. Be, be scriptural. And identify, the scripture says, to the Jews, I became a Jew. To the Greeks, I became... So sometimes, identification for winning's sake. But don't copy that person who is doing... He has a mandate. The fact that God asked Hosea to marry a prostitute doesn't mean that everybody is allowed to do the same. Amen. Amen. The New Testament order is there. Don't be equally don't believe it. So we are clear on that. Let's move on that. Are you with me? So there are basic norms in the kingdom. But let's be careful that we don't get too ritualistic in the things of discernment. Judge not after the eyes. Samuel, even the great prophet, fell into this trap. He said, how can a small boy be a king? How can he be? He's, how can a shepherd boy be a king? Let's not judge after the sight of men. 1 Corinthians 13, 9-13, then we are done. We'll pray. May the Lord help us. For we know in part, we prophesy in part. Go on. When that which is perfect comes, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. One way of showing people's maturity is what they say. The things they say shows how mature they are. When I became a man, I put away childish things. You can't, I can't come and tell you, oh, I put away childish It is the way I conduct myself, the way the things I say, the things I don't, I'm not able to do. You come to a child's room, the whole room is kata. A child wants something at all costs. No consideration of siblings, whether they, they have to share or not. I just want it. Hallelujah. I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass, darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know, even as also I am known. Verse 30. And now abided faith, hope, charity. These three, the greatest of these is charity. Faith, hope, and love. Let us bow our heads as we pray. Pray that God will strengthen you to identify what it takes to be matured. Maturity just doesn't come by saying, oh Lord, make me mature. No. There are things we all need to do. Some may have to let go of certain lifestyles, certain habits. Some may have to study, sit down and study the word of God. Some may have to be humble. Some may have to say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. 
Because childishness is always having your way, wanting to have your way. That's childishness. You can pray, Lord, grant me the grace of discernment. So I'll measure, I'll balance the equation in all situations. I'll not be imbalanced. Many of our, our immaturities, because we, we are not balanced in many things. Some of us are into so much instruction, rules and regulation, but not doctrine. But the word of God is sharper. And it's given to us. It says the, the word of truth is given to us to descend to, 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 for, for doctrine, for reproof, for instruction in righteousness. So you, you don't get angry when somebody instructs you in the word of God. It says what, that which will make you mature. Don't hate a sister. Don't hate your wife. Don't hate your, your husband. Don't hate somebody who corrects you. Because without that correction, you will never be mature. You won't be complete in every good work. Say, Lord, bring in my way people who will help me mature. A lot of maturity comes by training. And if we avoid the training, we can't mature. Say, Lord, bring in my way men and women. Sometimes they are not pleasant tutors. They are not nice people. But Lord, help me. If I want to mature, uh, you must bring those people my way. Bring them my way, Lord. People who can, who can help me to walk right. Who can provoke me unto love and unto good works. Who can provoke me unto perfection, unto excellence. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we desire to mature in you. In a total way. Lord, not in a myopic way. Not in any one side way, Lord. Anything that is imperfect in me and in my brethren, we bring before you. Reveal to us, O Lord, and Lord, like a mirror, help us, O Lord, to walk in ways that will develop ourselves so we can mature in you. We thank you that when we ask you, you hear us. In Jesus' name, amen.